This week, you'll meet Huda from Morocco, a busy mom and a serial entrepreneur acting for a better tomorrow. Huda will talk about being the first woman in many endeavors and what has enabled her to be so supported and embraced while breaking gender roles. Although at moments it sounds like she's making it all, she will talk about support and asking for help as her superpower. Let's dig in. Welcome to another episode of She Rocks Global. Today I'm with Zoya, who's sitting in Serbia, who's my co-host, and sitting with Huda, who's sitting in Morocco. So excited to have you join us, Huda, and I can't wait to see what you have to tell us. I must just give a little disclaimer to our audience that Zoya does have a bit of a cough today. It isn't COVID, but she is maybe going to take a bit of a backseat from today's conversation. And if you do hear her coughing, it's perfectly imperfect and absolutely fine. So thank you for joining us, Zoya, whilst you're in the state. Huda, welcome and thank you for giving us your time. Thank you so much for having me. I can't wait for this conversation as being a, a follower of She Rocks and I do listen to the, your podcast and I love it. It's so much fun being able to talk to you. Of course, I'm sitting in Cape Town, South Africa. And so if you think about the entire length of Africa in terms of the southernmost tip going all the way to the north, we really are talking about that, you know, proverbial Cape to Cairo experience. And so this makes me feel quite special. And of course, connecting to Belgrade. So truly is rocking as women here in this podcast. So Huda, please tell us a little bit more about yourself. What do you think we need to know about you today? Well, you need to know that I am a proud mother of two, and these are my um, pride and joy. So two boys, 11 and 7. I am a serial entrepreneur, and I am a very active uh, person in uh, the civil society. So I am a member of different organizations, and I am running for presidency for another one that I've been a member of since 2009. Fantastic. So I think I'm going to grab on to the first description that you brought out, which is you are the mother of boys. So the world right now is experiencing quite a revelation in terms of how women stand up for themselves, how women view how they've been treated by men. And some of it has maybe revealed ugly undertones in terms of how the world works for and against women. How do you view your role as a mother of young boys and how you could potentially shape them and how they move through the world in relation to women? I think it's, it's, it's my job to raise them well, to consider um, that there is, a gen there is a gender equality and there is a gender gap that is at the moment there. And uh, make sure that the school is actually with us in helping them recognize that. So, for instance, my little boy would not wear anything that is pink. He thinks pink is for, for, for girls, and that's something he grabbed from school. So I have to go to school and say, I'm sorry, colors are for everybody. It's not because the, it's a boy, he has to wear this kind of colors, or it's a girl, and it starts everywhere. So we have to correct, we have to make sure that they acknowledge women, they have to make sure that they acknowledge just as, as civil, um, and to be, um, uh, let's say, engage actor in a civil society as well as engage uh, people in their environment. So they have to treat people well, whether it's a man or a woman. And I actually don't try to make any differences because I don't want them to see it's a woman and she has special needs or it's a guy who has special needs. We don't need have special needs. We just have to acknowledge and embrace our differences. And some people have... Um, we have a lot of differences, especially in Morocco. Morocco is a is a country that has different languages. It has uh, different colors. It has uh, different uh, 
customs uh, and everything is different when you have a uh, uh, boys that are going into a different region, everything strikes them different. Uh, women, uh, girls wearing, you know, um, some head cover or, um, or not wearing shorts or not going to the swimming with the regular swimming suit and wearing something else. So you have to make them all the time see the differences and respect those differences because that's the most important. It's about choice. And you have to give people choice to choose whatever they want and whatever works for them. I, I'm, I'm a pro-choice kind of person. <laughs> we love that. And so I think for me, what really resonates is this idea of embracing difference. Um, it's not about erasing the fact that we're different and therefore we're all the same. And so when you talk about how you are running for presidency of an association, um, I'm going to assume, and of, co of course, correct my assumption, that you may not, you could possibly be one of the first or one of a few women running for this position. And so I'm curious to find out what difference do you bring in as Huda, the human, and then as a woman? And of course, tell us a little bit more about this association. So the association is called Centre des Jeunes Dirigeants, which is Center for Young uh, uh, Managers literally and yes i am the first woman who's gonna run for that however that's not my first job my first like uh um presidency for an association that never had women on the top which i was um uh in 2016 the youngest and the first woman to be president of a federation it's like uh, six associations within that federation that represents one-sixth of moroccan exports and it's for canned goods, um, transforming fruits and vegetables, anything that is transformation. So I did represent that. And I don't think it, it, it's a big deal for me per se, but I know it's a big deal for a lot of people because a lot of women want me to run. And I was not a shortlist for so many years. It's just that it wasn't prosper at that moment to be running because either I had the kids or I had different projects or I was in that other federation and I needed to the time and I needed the resources to be at uh, available to be able to run for it. And that's what is important for me. So it's not about the title, it's about what kind of legacy I'm gonna leave for that organization or that organization. What's my value added? This is how I think of it, that um, the association has given a lot uh, to me as a person, I grew within that, uh, that association. I, um, um, I learned so much. I am happy to have people that care about me and that I have as my support system anytime I need support and I give back. So the more I get, the more I give. And that's the values that want to make sure that they stay on and I leave a legacy. So what I'm running for is of course, embracing differences, as well as using technology to make the companies within the ecosystem more prosper. Ultimately, the economy of our country will be more prosper. And then think local, but act global, because that's part of what I do. Uh, I love uh, what you just said, and um, but I need to jump in here because um, I would like to hear your thoughts on this. I know that you were also the president of... Um, another association in Morocco. I think it was, um, you will tell us better, but it was around food producers. Uh, and uh, you were again the first woman uh, on the helm, I think for two mandates in a row. But now again, you are 
trying to be first in another business association. And um, I would like to hear your thoughts about why are you the first? So what do you think? Why some other women who are now cheering up you up like go Huda and apply, why are they not feeling capable to step in? Or uh, what has happened? What has made you so special that you are that you feel that you are able to get in and so many others aren't? I think and just I while, have, you think, uh, maybe, while you think, just to add one more thing. And what do you think, even uh, to maybe move it away from you, what is it that, what's the reason why men allow you to be at the helm? Maybe that as well. Is there some part of you which, which, is, which allows you, just not just your bravery, but your way of just who you are and uh, how it affects So Sorry, and please, I, I look so much forward to this answer. Well, thanks for asking. It's an interesting question, very philosophical for me, but on the first uh, count, which is the Food Production uh, Federation, it was a consensus. So people came to me and wanted me to run for two reasons. First of all, because I know they know that I get things done. Second, because I have um, the knowledge, because I've been in organizations since 1960. 1997 <laughs> and I know how it works and I make it go smoother and faster so it's for efficiency that's how they voted for me and I do keep relationships so the network is very important so I'm usually within a collaborative frame and I do talk to everybody and I do alienate I don't see the differences and I embrace the differences and I don't follow anybody so I think that one good point that makes people want to nominate me and we did get a consensus on my first mandate and automatically they wanted me to stay for the second mandate. Keep in mind that when I quit the um, uh, being a producer of, uh, uh, of food products, I did um, step, step down from that, uh, from that presidency, which they couldn't believe. And I no longer represents production, so why should I be president? It was more of, it's a lot of work for me. And I, and I think I did beautifully according to the testimonials that I've gotten and they wanted me to stay longer, but I wanted to do something else, which is what I'm doing at, at the moment. But for the second one, everybody had access. Actually, there's a lot of short lists, men and women, and then men and women alike don't say yes, because it's a lot of work running. Uh, <laughs> any type of association is commitment. You have to have your partner as well committed. And for many years, my um, husband was not <laughs> pro uh, taking on another association and, you know, putting so much work into it. Even if he likes what we do, he said, wait, we, the kids need you at the moment. So now the kids are older. And he was the one who reminded me, are you working on your project? Because it's next year. The elections are next year, which is last year he told me. So I already was working on the action plan. I was also also putting some ideas together. So when I wanted to run, when it's time to accept or not the nomination, I, I have something already prepared. It's a teamwork, I think. And I, I, if people are looking within associations for efficiency and getting things done, that's when they call me. If they want somebody to represent and just be pretty and, you know, gender representative, that's not me. Because usually I make it very clear the first day. So for me, what I've picked up on is this idea of saying yes. 
When do you say no? Oh, I say no a lot of times. I say no a lot of times when it's not on my priority. I say no when I don't have time to do it. I say no when it's not interesting enough for me. And I do get a lot of people wanted me to join their federations. And I don't see how I fit in and how I can bring some value um, or if we have shared values as well. So that's the kind of thing I say no to a lot. And I do say no a lot. Just don't think <laughs> I'm a very accommodating person. I do say no. I say no to meetings. I say no to travels. I say no to, um, uh, you know, partnership, whatever. I, I am to the point. It has to be clear. I have to be passionate about it. And that's when I do it. It has to affect me personally. What frightens you, Huda? Wow. Running out of time. Uh, not being happy. That's something that frightens me as well. So I think, you know, the 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 time is 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 frightening for me. We don't know how what's our expiration date. It's not like food. We're coming from a food uh, perspective. We don't have an expiration date, and we don't have a best before date. So this is my philosophy in life, and this is what I tell my husband: is um, as soon as I'm passionate about things, I will do them. If I no longer enjoy them, I will stop. So that's my cue. If I don't like it anymore, I will stop and move to something else. Um, just an example, back in the days when I uh, decided I no longer like my schedule and I was working in FES and had a very busy schedule, you know, between travels, uh, running companies and doing all that. And I see that my quality of life was not worth it. I decided to move to Marrakesh and work from home. And that was a big deal because we didn't know what work from home was in the moment. How can I deal with the with the with the teams? What kind of reporting are they using the ERP or not? You know that kind of thing. So when uh, the COVID hit, it was beautiful for me because nothing has changed. I've done it for two years already. So it, it's it's it gives me so much flexibility. It gives me so much to spend with the kids, which is why I I am here. I, I am a mother after all, and I'm raising the next generation. And I want to spend those quality times with my kids and be flexible to do the things that I enjoy. The more you do things that you enjoy, the more time you have to do things better. That's what I'm thinking. You have to reward yourself of doing only choosing to do the things that you enjoy because you never feel like you're working. You always feel that it's so rewarding. I don't know. It's not about the money. It's about the rewards. <laughs> Absolutely. And I think you're starting to touch on purpose. Um, which is, you know, why we do what we do as opposed to what we do. And so it's so magnificent to come across a woman who's rocking their understanding of purpose. And so you've made mention a few times about your husband. And I'm quite curious to find out, you know, you're obviously successful. Let's own that. Um, you're also ambitious. Let's own that. Who else has actually played a role, do you think, in getting you to where you are? Um, I am going to assume that your husband has played a role, but who else exists in this community that, you know, supports you and gets you to where you are? And how do you describe that support? There's a lot of people that have supported me and they'll still support me. Yes, my husband is number one because he's as involved as I am with the kids and we do have uh, sharing tasks. As I was telling Zoya, he's not in town at the moment, and I have to do chauffeur, which I haven't done for a long time. So that makes a strain on my schedule. But there's also family, because I got a advice a long time ago when I first got married, and my aunt told me, don't try to prove. You have nothing to prove to the world. Ask for help. If you need help, ask for help. 
And that's what I did. So I did ask for help when raising my kids because I did travel. If I wanted to keep that, I did travel. I ignored um, comments from families like, who did you leave the kids with? Who's taking care of the kids? You know, kind of stuff like that, because that's usually what moms do. I never took um, maternity leave because I didn't think it was relevant. because I would go crazy just not doing anything. So I took my, I took my kid with me to, to the office. I got my kid uh, watched by my assistant while I was taking calls. I nursed at the office. I've done whatever I needed to do to get the job done because that's what makes me happy. It's my choice. And uh, yes, I do. I'm grateful for my family, um, my extended family, from my my uh, sisters-in-law, my aunt, uh, everybody who has been there, because they all raised the kids to allow me to do things that I enjoy. That's a that's a great point, and I would like also to follow up on something uh, I read recently. And there's this advice that uh, we often hear. I think in every part of the world, which is when a father is spending time with the kid. It's, oh my God, that's so cool. He's such a good father when he brings him to work. But when a mother does, it's not that, um, it's not considered great for her career and for her development. And I remember I read somewhere that the advice for business women or, or some boss or something like that said, uh, don't put pictures of your family and kids in your office if you're a woman because it will make you seem weak so and now you are telling your story in an also society which is i would say in some ways very gender equal but in some ways uh, again very traditional and patri patriotic in terms of like um how would you how do you see that you manage to do all of that, like taking kids with you and nursing them while at work and still maintaining uh, the authority you needed uh, at your workplace? And what is your advice for other women? Do you think that any woman can pull it off or you think it's not like that? Because I know you personally for a long time and I, I'm, and I think you still, you, you have this crazy... Uh, I, I won't say masculine energy because I don't agree with it, but that's something what people would often use to describe you and to say, like, uh, you know what you want, you go for it, you're very self-confident, at least that's how the world sees you. So when you come and nursing a baby, it seems completely okay. But when most of us other go and start nursing a baby, it might seem different because of that aura that you are carrying around. So what would be your advice for us others? Let me just go by say, I live in a very high uh, patriarchal society where um, things are not, women do not, are not looked at the same way our men and you know from region to region it depends as well so when i did that and i was in fez in a highly conservative uh, city compared to where marrakesh is and i did it because i didn't care their opinion was did not matter to me and you know you do things because you care about what the feedback from the people you are talking to how important is it to you i stopped caring a long time ago uh, when I learned that I can never make everybody happy, the only person I can control the happiness is mine. And I made it clear, even if we live in a, in a group-oriented <laughs> society, that my happiness starts it's, it's first. And yes, I am egoistic, and I own up to it. 
And uh, that's okay. It's working for me and it's making me happy. And that's the only way I can make other people happy. If I'm miserable, everybody's life around me will be miserable. So I made sure that I understood that because I had so many setbacks back when I was a kid. And I do want to share that I took responsibility for household a long time ago when I was much, much, much younger, where I tried to do everything and tried the best to do to be the best at everything. And I couldn't. It's impossible. It's, it's inhumane to be uh, good at everything that you do and try to, to, to please everybody. So I focused on myself. And with focusing on myself, I was able to listen to other people, acknowledge what their priorities are, and explain what my priorities are and what I'm trying to achieve. We do, I do understand that we're not the same. And again, back to cultural differences, back to their differences. I'm embracing their differences and I know where they come from and I will try to adapt if they, if they are important to me, but I'm not gonna change who I am because when I tried, I wasn't happy. That's it, it's just try to make yourself happy. And if, if that's your personality and that's what you should do, just go for it. That's, that's, that's what I've done. And I don't listen, like, you know, people do tell you advice that you don't need, do, I mean, because they care about you, they will give you advice. Like, um, it could come from your father, from your mother, and telling you, this is how it's done, and this is how it's done, but that's your life. This is how you chose to live your life. But this is what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to build my own model. I'm trying to experiment with my own uh, beliefs and see if it works. If it doesn't work, fine, I'll start over and do something else. But everybody tried to direct me to working as an employee in wherever it was paying well, go to the city wherever it was paying well, and use up this. But it wasn't making me happy. I always choose to do things that make me happy and go for it. As long as it's fun, I'm going to keep doing it. That's my advice. Fantastic. I mean, in your quest for finding that happiness whilst having fun, what is a challenge that you kind of are working through right now. Um, I think many people who are listening to here are going, no man, this woman can't have it all worked out. So maybe share with us in terms of what are you currently grappling with as a challenge right now? Um, I don't do sports. I wish I could. I am <laughs> sitting most of the day and I am uh, talking most of the day. That takes a lot of um, time to be able to fit it all in one day. So yes, health-wise I can improve. And I stopped doing like, and first, you know, January resolutions and all that, I stopped doing that. So I'm making them smaller and stuff that I can actually achieve goals that are smart. So one of them is like at least walk an hour and a half per week. That's it. So that's my goal. So on the weekends, I get to walk and I get to see um, the kids and go to the activities and do whatever um, can do it to make, but I'm not the kind of person that will go to the to, to a club where you know the do the machinery and uh, make sure that I am fit that's not on my priorities and um, I don't have time for it I can improve and yes um, I don't go to see my family as much as I want because I am busy um, I do have a schedule that is run by a calendar that I have to follow uh, I do have things that are time to the minutes I am organizing, over-organizing, which is frustrating my kid. So I had to take him to counseling last year. It was frustrating for him. He wanted to do things more spontaneously, and I had everything done um, uh, on, uh, on, uh, on the schedule. 
And I have one more question, uh, which, as you know, our audience is really a, a, a truly global one. And I know that the two of us recently had a great conversation about your, let's say, let's call it newest business, which is very global one. And uh, I would like to think for, for you just to uh, share your experiences because you started it during the pandemic. It's Foodie Show. And um, can you share with us what, first of all, draw you to, <laughs> sorry, to make something like that? Uh, but also, how do you feel now, where you are after having these two virtual events? And what would be your advice for the rest of the world and people scattered around the globe uh, uh, when we heard that Huda with the two kids uh, in the whole pandemic uh, chaos with schools not working and a, a complete uh, uh, um, panic, she, this, she said, okay, this is a great opportunity for me to start something new and something so big, which I didn't do before. So you're all familiar with DISC, right? We all did it um, during the IVLP. No, it wasn't my first one, sorry. But you know, fa um, personality traits. So either you're a dominant influencer, st stable on conformist. And I am a very much dominant person. So I always have projects on hand. So I usually have lists of projects and all that, but I don't have the time to see them all through. And we all, I always wanted to develop something that was more efficient for lead generation because I was traveling all the time for no reason. Why should I have to go to Sao Paulo and take a 14-hour flight, go to a city that I don't know, and work from 2 p.m. to 10 p.m. when I come back? I, I'm dead stressed, tired, and I'm not generating enough leads. It has to be a better way to do it. So I was grateful for the pandemic or the pandemic actually made sense for me because all my businesses came to a halt. All my uh, orders have been canceled. And so I had the time to say, okay, so what should I do? Should I just uh, be there and wait for things to restart or should I start something new? And I decided to start something new that I believed in. And my vision with my partner is to democratize access to markets to all companies wherever they are within the food ecosystem. So it has to be food producers or service providers, but we offer a platform that is 100% digital, that is based on um, artificial intelligence to match make people and make them find the products they need depending on certifications, origin, you know, whatever they need, color, uh, whatever they need on a click, which is, um, let's say, uh, <laughs> food, food shows on steroids. Much easier, much faster. Why did I do it globally? Because that's the only way I can think of. I cannot think of, you know, Morocco is only 36 million people and the world is almost 7 billion people. So if I am on a niche, it is very hard. So I always think strategy. I'm a strategist by nature because I have a company that does strategy and management and I can make, I can do, make strategies. So we started with the food e-show we did the first edition. We couldn't open a company in Morocco because everything was on lockdown. And finally decided we do not need to do it in Morocco and we opened the company in the UK. And now we have a company that is 100% uh, virtual event planner. And we have now projects for different people in different brands and we're looking for different platforms and we'll launch in different projects within the next, uh, the next uh, months. So yes, that is how I see things. I see things globally. I don't see 
one reason or the other. I, I, I see it's, it's interdependent. We are all interdependent. And all the value chains are interdependent and technology is making it cheaper, accessible, and you know, to the point <laughs> to reach your, your targets anywhere you are. And I think it's beautiful because we've seen some success stories come out and I love to connect people within Foodie Show. And I did reach to my Global 41. And you do know that all of you were involved in the process because every time I need feedback and I need to move forward, I called and I asked, what do you think? What should I do? Uh, do you think this one is? And all of you introduced me to people with our speakers, organizations, and how to, to change the, the, the deck, the information deck. So yes, I have a global family and I have a global network. I cannot say how I can just act local and do something for Morocco, which I could have possibly did and made a lot of money out of. But at the moment, no, I'm thinking about the future and I'm thinking about connecting the world. I love uh, that. And I think the main point here is uh, actually equalizing, like leveling the playing field. And I think this is what happened uh, from the pandemic. I was so happy when I participated in the panel in the foodie show. And I still say that it's one of the best panels I ever attended, that it was fully virtual. Uh, but uh, we had uh, participants from Singapore, uh, UK and Israel and such a diversity and such a great conversations I haven't had in a while. So I think you really managed to achieve what, uh, what your goal is. Uh, and you really made it global. Noabisa, over to you. Thank you so much, Huda. You've shared so much, and I feel like we could go on for more and more, or maybe we need a part two with you in another season, and I'm, I'm holding us accountable to that. So the last question that I'm going to ask you is, what makes you rock? My network. So I'm, not, I'm, 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 I'm nobody without my network. Let's say that. So, uh, and I'm going to share, I just called one, one person. He was the trainer that actually trained me on networking back in 2010. So we had invited him and he explained to us that networking is, is actually a science and it has to be in a process and you have to nurture your network. And back in the days, LinkedIn was not there. So he was giving us via DO or, you know, update your business cards and, you know, that kind of stuff. And I learned and I applied and I still apply my networking, I nurture my network and I take the time to nurture my network daily. It is part of my daily routine. I say happy birthdays, I congratulate, I share information, I connect people. This is what I do and that's what makes me happy. I don't do it for a business. I do it because I grow as a person doing it and knowing that I'm connecting people, that I'm bringing some value to people. And I do share my story. And I'm telling you, if I had to do whatever I have done uh, for the food issue by myself without my network, it would have probably taken me five years, six years, but I was able to do it within three months. So by the time we got the idea to the time we were selling the projects, it was two months. By the time we actually did the, the proof of concept, which is the first edition, <laughs> it was two months after that. And still, I, we did gather 1,300 people in the first edition from 95 countries and just last session we've gathered over a thousand people from 100 countries with almost 25 hours of material and a lot of connections so we do have um, 
We are doing something, but we couldn't have done it without the network. So make sure you are you nurture your network because your network will be there. I love this so much, Huda, especially because, you know, we often say your network is your net worth and then we don't really know what that means and you really are making that a reality and it's working for you. I think there's an interesting point also around how as women we're very shy to use our networks because we don't want to seem transactional and yet there is actually a reason why we have our networks so that we can leverage on them and so I would love to have another conversation with you purely on social capital, purely on networking. And so today, though, I want to say thank you so much for your time, bringing all of you into this. So much that you've shared with us. And so keep rocking, Huda. Thank you so much. And Zoya, rest that cough, rest that fist. <laughs> thank you all. Bye. She Rocks Global is a podcast collaboration produced by Macarena Botta, Nwabi Samayema, and Zoya Kukic. This season of She Rocks Global was recorded in the American Corner Cape Town, which is also where you will find our sound engineer, T. Kray Gekana. Theme music for this podcast is composed and arranged through a collaboration between South African musician Nosihe and Hannes Sagasa from Germany. Mixing engineer is T. Luminous. She Rocks Global is a podcast that showcases the stories of perfectly imperfect women from around the world. Should you be or know someone whom you think we should be talking to, please contact us through our Facebook or Instagram or Twitter channels. Handle She Rocks Global. Hashtag She Rocks. Until next time, keep rocking.